0: You're listening to the Over a Drink Podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men, talking about normal things, putting purpose to pain, and weaponizing testimonies. My name is Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. The Over a Drink Podcast with my fancy new intro song. Shout out to Cole Zander uh, for putting that together for me. Uh, so, this is a learning thing that we're doing here as I talk to my camera. Uh, last week, or I don't know what time table we're going to release these on, the last episode uh, was supposed to be my first YouTube video, and it was supposed to be my first recorded piece of content but me being the genius that I am uh messed that up so all throughout it I talk about YouTube and I talk about all the fun things that I'm gonna do with it and then uh the video didn't work it like got super basically the frame rate that didn't match up with something else uh I don't know enough about cameras I messed it up um so here we are. Uh I am thankful that you're here. Uh I'm thankful that my guest is here. My friend, good friend. I wanted to just start talking about your wedding <laughs> speech. Um Keaton Tucker. Uh Keaton is he was in my wedding. Mm-hmm. Um started out with my being my wife's friend first because mm-hmm. they interned together. We did. Uh and then he decided that I'm better. And so now we are better friends. <laughs> Substantially better. Substantially better friends. Um, Keaton uh, has earned the nickname Meaton mm-hmm. throughout his life because he is very strong. Look at his biceps. You can see his biceps now. <laughs> um, Less strong now that I'm a dad. Isn't that the truth? Um, yeah. It, but like a weird, different strong. Oh, you're yeah, like, you're like your dad's strong. Like. Yeah. Holding a baby you don't understand is like so tiring it's after so tiring. My Jeez. daughter is like 18 pounds at this point, And walking through the church lobby, I'm like Might as well be a hundred. Like <laughs> someone's like, Wanna hold my can I hold your baby? I'm like, please for the love mm-hmm. of God hold my baby. Um Yeah, but mm-hmm. Keaton Keaton is a really good friend of mine. He gave mm-hmm. if I can I might pull up uh and throw it in here. If I can figure out how to do it, his speech at our wedding, uh, because he spent legitimate months prepping for it. it um, <laughs> I, I would. The only reason I wouldn't want to put it in is because it would make me seem way better of a human than I am. You talked me up so well and or so much. Very unjust. Um, I'll correct that error. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> please do, please do. Um, so, Keaton, uh, you have uh, forty-five seconds mm-hmm. to, to tell me about yourself. We're getting on an elevator. Yep. Um, who are you? All right. My name is Keaton. I uh, am married to a beautiful woman named Chelsea. I've got a little girl named Noah who just turned one. Um, and I love. I work in a church, and or at least. I'm in between churches right now. Uh, uh, Love working in ministry. And I love my family a lot. Like a lot. I'm obsessed with my family. If you were to ask me, like, who are you? I'm like, my family. That is. that is. And then other than that, other fun fact, I'm a Theodore Roosevelt nerd. You're just a nerd in general. I am a nerd in general, yeah. Um, My my internal feels like a real skinny guy with big glasses. (laughs) um, Yeah, I am a nerd. And I love of reading love learning and I just find it thrilling. Um, and I've been in Colorado my entire life. I've been here almost 31 years. Wow. Uh, Born and raised. My dad was raised here and man, what else is interesting about me? This this, we'll come back to this when we, I've been in college for 13 years, 13 years. Yeah. Undergrad, not, not masters, no doctorate, just trying to finish my undergrad. Um, and, I finished the first three years in three years, and it's taken me ten years to finish the, f- the fourth year. Uh, but I haven't given up, so don't give but, up. But life happened, and that like there's yeah grace we're going to talk about that, that. Yeah. yeah no I this is this is like we have to laugh yeah. because wh- who takes ten years <laughs> to finish what is it thirty credit hours in a, in a year like who takes ten years that's one class Two. a year. Not to boast or brag, but you took ten years longer than me. I did. I took three years. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if you can trust anything I say, but well, I I do know that you're one of the more well-read people that I know. Uh, You have your own podcast. Do you want to talk about that for a sec? Yeah, um, I I have a podcast with my dad. Uh, It's called "The Man I Want to Be," and it's for it's geared primarily towards young men who either didn't have a father or didn't have a great father who wasn't present in their life. Um, and it's all based on a question my dad asked me when I was 23. Yeah. He, I was, I had just become like given my life back to Jesus. Cause I was raised in an awesome Christian household. Yeah. Uh, wandered, came back to Jesus and um, moved into my parents' basement, was working at the olive garden and didn't have any direction in my life. Didn't know what I was doing. And so I went out to the garage one day and I was sharing all my woes with my dad Feeling sorry for myself. That's what I was doing. And um, he listened. And then he looked up at me after I'd talked for like 15, 20 minutes. And he just goes, what kind of man do you want to be? Hmm. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And it was kind of like that. I don't know. I'm a teenager. I don't really want to answer. And I don't know. And like, I actually don't know. No, I've never actually thought about that. Yeah. And my dad said, I would figure out what kind of man you want to be and then pursue that for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. And... And the podcast is based around that question. What kind of man do you want to be? And then, okay, let's figure that out and then go pursue that relentlessly for the rest of your life. So we, we try to talk a lot about um, characteristics that are worth emulating from great men in history, a lot from the Bible. There's a verse in um, 1 Samuel, I believe it's 16, 15 or 16. It's the first description you get about david yeah um not the ruddy boy david but like as a grown man yeah uh saul's looking for someone to play the harp because he's got this evil spirit over him he Needs someone to come like play for him and those and this guy speaks out about david and he says i know a guy he's a he's a man of valor a man of good presence a man of war um skillful in playing and the lord is with him and mm-hmm. you're like Okay, that was what David was remembered for being a man of war, man of valor, a man of good presence, prudent in speech and skillful in what he did. And then the Lord was with him. These six characteristics that we really hone in on. Um about like helping men become the men that they desire to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so cool. It is. We have twenty five whole listeners. That's that's amazing <laughs> though. I know. I, I told, so you know, Orin. yeah, I told Orin. and I was like, Hey, you ever listen to my podcast? And he goes, you have a podcast. And I was like, yeah. mind you, this is his best friend. It is. I I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I put it on Instagram all the time. He goes, that's yours. I was like, yeah. He's like, Oh, I just thought that was something you liked. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, so uh, we're going to cool, work. Cool, we're going to work cool. on marketing here. Yeah. In the well, I want to, that's something that I like to do. And well, the thing that I'm learning is this marketing for a podcast is hard because a lot of people do it. Yeah. So like you're like yeah, podcasting is like the new web page. Yeah, you like need it. You need it. It it well, most people do it to drive business. Mm-hmm. They do it to sell an ebook. They do it mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. like or they do it to promote promote an ebook which then promotes a service that they yeah. charge you for. And so mm-hmm. it's like it's the new form of marketing and but we were actually talking off mm-hmm. mic a little bit like we feel that people are moving away from short mm-hmm. short form media consumption. Mm-hmm. Towards the medium to long form because there's actually meat in it, and your podcast mm-hmm. has meat in it, and I think, mm-hmm. I think that that's super cool. Um, I love that the first thing you said was your wife mm-hmm. about yourself. That's, oh, I'm obsessed with her. Did it, it. why marry someone if you're not obsessed with them? I know. I know. Like, into yeah. that, yeah, and I love like that that your family is your definition of yourself, and because I relate so heavily to that. And well, what what's hard is actually a lot of times is like the world will like push back on that in Mm -hmm. terms of like, Hey, like I work a job that allows me to be so present with my family. Mm -hmm. I don't make as much money as I could. I don't make as much money as I've been offered other jobs. Like, um, but I've been told no, I've told no to them because it would hinder my ability to be a father and a husband. Mm -hmm. Um, dude, my dad did that. Really? Yeah. Um, and when I was a kid, I didn't, yeah. Didn't register as an adult i it's I think I'm the most I'm it's the mo it's the decision my dad made that I'm the most thankful for, I I think. I'll never have to miss a recital or mm-hmm. a, a dance or yeah. a, a soccer game or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. My dad could have been super wealthy, ran an electrical company, he had his own yeah. business. But he's like, No, I'm gonna be my son's coach, I'm gonna be their Boy Scout master, I'm not gonna miss breakfast, dinner, and man, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, I get I get to every morning make my wife breakfast, send her off to work she mm-hmm. i'm at home went there and she gets home mm-hmm. and i put my daughter to bed every night and yeah. I, that's just a dream so mm-hmm. um okay enough about me enough about <laughs> um not testimony stuff uh-huh. uh just so that y'all are aware listening um i talked a little bit about it last week but i'm really wanting to keep over a drink over a drink what it was from the beginning and it's gone through its ups and downs and creative yeah. process and I, I i love it it's gotten me to where i am today but i want it to maintain its original like weaponizing testimonies putting power to your story and putting purpose to pain and i i really believe that there is value in the other stuff we talk about like what we're mm-hmm. going to talk about later yeah but i'm so leaning into recently the the importance of testimony with hold on with uh encouraging and edifying the body hmm. like we say it as a weapon but so often i'm like maybe this is like almost like a south or like a like a what what's what's the game uh there's like a call of duty game where you get like uh like a, a shot and it gives you more health or like it feels like it's one of those things where it just keeps mm-hmm. you going mm-hmm. hearing other people's testimonies like oh they got through it like i can keep mm-hmm. going too um yeah. and so over a drink is going to post i'm gonna say twice a month um right now Uh, and they're going to be just straight testimonies. And then there's going to be Mitch talks mental, which is going to be a YouTube channel. It's going to be a blog that I'm building right now. Um, it's going to be a place that houses my art. It houses my words. It houses, um, conversations. Keaton's going to come on and talk about five things that he's learned, um, in the last year of being a dad, um, conversations like that will be on Mitch talks mental and over a drink will be what it is. So with all that said, um, Keaton. Would you share with us your testimony? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just had a funny thought of memory, though, because you mentioned I was in your wedding. Mm -hmm. I was the shortest guy in your wedding by about eight inches. That's not true. My dad was in the wedding. Oh, yeah, that's true. Everyone else was a lot taller. than Yeah. (laughs) My best friends are six or they're six, six through uh, they're less than 300 pounds now. At the time, they were 300 pounds. Collegiate shot putters. And I put Keaton right next to them. Like, I've never felt so small <laughs> in my life. <laughs> well, like, Keaton, you're, what are you, you're five, eight? I don't know. I'm taller than Tom Cruise. That's okay. yeah. what I am tell, telling people now. Yeah. I don't know. Is it, just, I'm like this. this now is that you have a baby, you're shorter. Yeah, this is what it is. You know, <laughs> whatever. Um, my testimony. Okay. So where do you start this? I was born into an incredible family. Um, yeah. like not just my immediate family, mom and dad brothers, um, but into an incredible heritage, especially on my mom's side, um, that, you know, as you get older, you really start to appreciate the people that came before you just because it influenced how your parents raised you and yeah. who you have become. Yeah. Um, and for better or for worse, we are a product of our parents and their heritage. And, um, I was fortunate enough to come from an incredible heritage. Um, and then my dad you know, his parents weren't terrible, but they weren't great. He had a rough upbringing, moved a lot. Um, but my dad decided, I'm not going to let this pass into the next generation. Um, and th- for him, you know, he met a guy named Jack Young when he was 18 years old, who he credits with saving his life oh. and setting him on a new path. And so, like, my dad's the only one in his family who's never been divorced, been married to my mom Thirty eight or thirty-nine years. I think it's thirty-eight years now. Wow. That deserves um, to be celebrated. It does. That awesome. is amazing. I'll celebrate oh, when they get to 40. Wrong button. Wrong button. Wrong <laughs> th- <laughs> still wrong button. Where'd it go? There it is. No. They're <laughs> supposed to be clapping. I'm gonna find it. There it goes. There it is. Thirty-eight years. Yeah, he and um among many other things. So I, I was born into this incredible heritage. I have two younger brothers uh that have as we've become adults, we've gotten really, really close, and I love them dearly. But growing up, I was kind of a hard-headed, meanie <laughs> face. I don't want to cuss. I was a jerk. Yeah, um, I was. There's was no other way to put it. You know, especially like uh, when I got into high school, um, I was a jerk. I was hard-headed, angry. I was arrogant. Um, a lot of that came from. Um my, my natural personality, <laughs> probably, uh, of being uber independent, yeah. strong willed all I've always been really strong willed. Um, but also I, this is, and this might sound funny to some of your listeners. I hit puberty like really early. Yeah. at like 10. I got my first pimple when I was 10 and believe it or not, at one time I was the tallest in my class. Um, I stopped growing at 13, but I was at one time, the tallest person in my (laughs) class. And you look at, if you were to look at pictures of when I was 11, 12, 13, I look like I'm in high school. Hmm. Um, and you're like, Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Um, gave me a false sense of ability when it came to like sports and football. I thought I was really, really good. And it turns out I was just bigger and stronger than everybody at that time. And once they hit puberty and we got into the later years of high school, I was like, I'm actually not that good. (laughs) I was just a little, felt a little older. Yeah. But what it did lead to, um, I was really tall, had bad acne. I was really, really strong. My my whole family is really, really strong. Yeah. Um, It actually led to like this weird kind of bullying um, where I was accused, not jokingly, of being on steroids. Like parents Mm -hmm. would ask my parents if they were giving me steroids to make me better at like football and baseball. Like, weird. believe it. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And so I like had this in my mind and I was just like, I'm already kind of hard headed and arrogant and angry. I'm going through puberty and all that adolescent stuff where yeah. you're like, I don't know what's wrong. So I'm angry <laughs> and I feel things. And then you get to throw that on top of it. And it felt like this kind of isolation and ostracized. So I just like said, I'm just going to be the like stoic strong, like protect myself at all yeah. costs. Um, and so I like, with all of that, I'm like, "I don't need God, I'm good. Hmm. like I'm good, um, and that took me through high school, and then I go to college, and in college, I was like, "I kind of want a fresh start, I want to start over, um, and I had an incredible first year of college, but you know the thing about fresh starts that we forget, I forgot at least, is your character comes with you. Hmm. And so all of that stuff that was in me in high school followed me into college, and it led me to burning every bridge I'd ever had uh, Mm -hmm. with my family, friends in college, um, to where I ended up, again, isolated and alone with no one to blame but myself. It was horrible. Um, And I had this whole five-year plan about what I was going to do with my life. I was going to go to school. I was going to finish top 10 in my class moved to New York, working in investment banking for a little bit until I could go to grad school where I was going go to go either NYU business school or Columbia law school. That was like the plan. Yeah. Um, and I've been in undergrad for 13 years. Why, why New York? Uh, I don't know. It, I think honestly I was into the show suits at the time in New York. with <laughs> awesome. It's probably the extent of the thought I put into it. Um, and there was something about like I was like uh, I guess power hungry yeah. at the time, and New York seemed like a powerful city, and it was like why not just go jump in? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so as a as a as a guy who is an achiever and mm-hmm. you're competitive and mm-hmm. you hold yourself to high expectations and mm-hmm. standards, mm-hmm. how has uh, you didn't meet the expectations that you had for yourself at a mm-hmm. young age, and you're mm-hmm. now 13 years later? Mm-hmm. Your life looks completely different. Yeah. How has how have you managed that internally? How have you processed that? Has mm-hmm. it been hard? Um early in my twenties? Oh yeah. Yeah. Now? Oh. No. No. What what was the shift? What what was the lesson you learned that allowed it to become a no? I actually don't know if I had language for it until I was texting with Milana the other day. Milana is uh, essentially Keaton's little sister. She is my official little sister. She's my sister-in-law. Sister-in-law. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. Because she was talking, you know, we were texting back and forth about, you know, she's in in ministry, but she hasn't finished college. She was like, you know, talking. Um, And she's like, man, I kind of feel like guilty for like how I could. The path that I took when I'm now in this place and I don't feel like I'm equipped. Yeah, and I, I said like, you have no reason to feel guilty for the path that led you here. Hmm. So it was, you know, there were frustrations early in my 20s, probably up until man, I mean, probably 26, 27, of like, man, I didn't accomplish what I set out to accomplish. I got all misdirected. I should have been more like, but then I just kind of got to. I don't even know how you describe it. Like this is where you are. Mm -hmm. You can't change those past decisions. Yeah. You can learn. Um, and you can recognize that like all through all of it, God never gave up on me. Mm -hmm. Not once. And he may have guided through my stubborn hardness by putting like blocks in the way. Um, one, and then also God has our best interest in mind. Yeah. And so if like you're going through like where I was, the worst thing that could have happened was for me to be incredibly successful in New York City. Hmm. I would I would I would not have a family. I wouldn't have a daughter. I would not be married to Chelsea. Um I would be worse than I was in my early twenties. Hmm. And the path that led me there, which we'll get to in a second, where I was I was I feel like I was divinely blocked was for my good. Yeah. And I think I just come to trust that, as best I can. God does care about my well being and the my family's well being, and so if you're, I just trust Him. I guess I don't really know yeah. how to describe it other than that. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I went side note, Dan. Ange- oh, that's okay. That's okay because that's like an important thing to do. Because if you read, I mean, right now, um, the number like some of the the category of best-selling books are all self-development, professional development, self-help, that kind of category. Mm-hmm. Um, be as successful as you can be. That's the pinnacle of the good life is, that, is as successful as you can be. Um, Cause people that, that is, especially for men, um, success is a strong draw, not because of the benefit you can do to the world, but because it makes your ego feel good. And but is that the best life that you could have is you have become unbelievably successful and they map it out. Like you begin with the end in mind and then you take your steps to get there. And I'm sure that's well and good, but you don't have that much control over your life. No.
1: They are. Gladwell,
0: we just talked about that. uh You don't, you don't have have that much control over the outcomes of your life. What outside forces are going to guide you and direct you. You don't. And, um, you want to make the most of every opportunity. You want to be uh, disciplined and, and have good character, but you also have no idea what your life is going to be like. No. And then letting go of control is one of the best things that you can do. Hmm. And, uh, no, and letting go of control doesn't mean you become lazy and lay on your couch and be like, "No, I'm just waiting to see." Oh, you—it's you contentment versus complacency. Complacency. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You never know where your life's going to end up. I had a friend. His name's Ethan Matat. He goes, mm-hmm. you know, Ethan. Oh, yeah. Um, Red Rocks, Austin, mm-hmm. campus past. Uh, what does he do? He does everything there. He makes sure that Austin stays afloat and thrives. Yeah. He runs the church. He run, yeah. Yeah. So he he and I talk daily about fantasy football. Like, I'm not. <laughs> that's not exaggerating. Um, but, like, he also, we have the relationship where it's like, hey, um, we were talking smack back and forth. And then I was like, what's the difference between con- con- contentment and complacency? And his answer was, contentment is, or complacency is no movement. Uh, contentment is moving in the direction that the Lord has you in, regardless mm-hmm. of the circumstance, being joy, joyful with what's around you. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, Way to go, Ethan. <laughs> okay um and then he said and also your running backs suck and i'm like sick um a little philosopher yeah Yeah. but dude i love that i think that that's because that's something i wrestle with a lot and we don't we're we're going back to your testimony but Mm -hmm. is the hey these were the expectations for you Mm -hmm. and i kind of had to also learn like if i would have gone and done what people said i could have should have done in football Mm -hmm. and i was placed in some city Mm -hmm. single in my 20s with a lot of money I mm-hmm. promise you I wouldn't be sitting yeah. here No, you wouldn't be. You'd be doing something else. Not and, married to the woman of my dreams with mm-hmm. a daughter who is going to ruin my life one day because <laughs> she is already a spitfire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. But anyways, back to you. Here we go. And, um, okay, so I'm in college. I'm isolated alone. I've burned every bridge. And this peaked for me. So I went from being like in the top – of my class, top 10 in my class to almost failing out of school. And there are a couple of things that led to it. One, I did an internship at an oil company in their finance department that I thought would be awesome. I made a lot of money and I hated it, Mm -hmm. like hated it. I did not want to sit in an office all day analyzing contracts for oil dividend payouts. Yeah. Um, And so I have like this moment of, kind of crisis where i'm like this is what i'm studying i'm studying finance in college but when i it's great in theory i get to actually do it and i, I hate it mm-hmm. um and um so i'm like well there's that um then you go back i'm isolated and alone i don't know what i want to do with my life i get real depressed um and there were a lot of things that i, I just won't talk you know publicly about that led to that like depression but i mean it got pretty dark for me for a little bit and i felt like i didn't have any other choice but to drop out of school Mm. um for my own good like so i dropped out of school and instead of moving to new york city i got a job as a server at cracker barrel and um but here's the thing here's the thing this is my time at Cracker Barrel, I I don't think I'll ever fully appreciate because it's yeah. hard to like remember everything. I'm uber depressed. Yeah, I've signed a lease in Texas, so I'm stuck in Texas where I went to school, mm-hmm. working at Cracker Barrel with my little purple apron serving pancakes. When I had these other ambitions, and yeah. several times, probably I think there were probably ten to fifteen times, th- these guys would come in. One at a time they were always alone they'd sit down at like a single person table or a two person table and they'd pull out a Bible or they'd pull out some Christian book or whatever and they'd always be I'd always be their server I'd serve them and every single time they encouraged me and they blessed me hmm. every single time um and I'm in a place where I'm like I don't even know if like I've never not believed that God was real it was more like I didn't care because I felt like God probably didn't care about me I'm a dingus yeah and um these guys would encourage me and one guy even gave me a book about that. I still have, he had written it in seminary. It was called delighting in the goodness of God, I think, or tasting the goodness of God. Um, and so I started, I read it and it, I don't remember anything from it, but I read it, (laughs) you know, I I was like at a place where I'm just like, um, and, you know, my roommates that I had, who I wasn't really – I was, like, friends with, but I had burned every bridge, so they were more, like, tolerating me. Yeah. Um, our lease ended. I had to go find somewhere to live. I am i didn't make enough money to get my own place. So I ended up moving in with this guy who was terrible for three months. I had a mattress. I slept on the on – the, I put my mattress on the floor, and I slept on the floor. And my dad got me an iPad. Not an iPad. It was, like, a Galaxy tab so that we could Skype once a week. Skype, Skype. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was 2000. (laughs) What year were you at? 2014, I think 2013. So I'm, I'm like, I've hit like rock bottom. Yeah. Which is the best place to be if you want to encounter God for the first time, like really, or at least reacquaint yourself with God. Desperation. Oh yeah. And so my dad started taking me through, we started doing Bible studies. I agreed to do Bible studies with him. Um, and so we went through Genesis. And when we got to Jacob and learned about Jacob, I read that story and I was like, that's, that's me. Jacob only cares about himself. He's never told the, the truth a day in his life. The first time you meet him, he doesn't even say is a lie. He says, I'm Esau. That's the first time he, like you get to know Jacob. He can't even say I'm Jacob. He says, I'm Esau. Cause he's pretending to be Esau, hmm. um, manipulates everyone. Manipulates his brother, manipulates his uncle, manipulates his wives. Like, and he's so terrified to go back to his brother because he knows I wronged him. I can't hide anymore. And that's when he wrestles with God for the first time. Okay. So I've got that in my mind on my very last shift at Cracker Barrel before I go over to this desktop support job that I should not have had. And I was terrible at desktop support. (laughs) And I've got that story in mind. Finished my last shift at Cracker Barrel. I'd been wearing these dress shoes. It was the only shoes I had that had a hole in them on the bottom. My car had broken down two days ago. The transmission goes out. Didn't think why why does, you know, so I have to either find a ride or walk home. Yeah. And I got I walked out of Cracker Barrel for the last time and realized I had no one to call. Wow. Not a person. And so I walked home and it was 13 miles to my house with a hole in my shoe. And that is where me and God wrestled for the first time. And I, I remember distinctly like I said, I'm not even sitting down until I hear from you And my foot hurts so bad. I finally got home, collapsed on the floor because I was so tired. Yeah I mean I've, I've never it wasn't it was prayer for sure, but it's more like I'm screaming as I walk the outskirts of this little city in Texas to get to get to my apartment. Mm. I wake up the next day I have a text from my mom She's like hey I found this sermon From this church I think you would like And uh, Would you mind watching it And I'll watch it with you So I agreed to watch it And it was a Sermon from Red Rocks Church Hmm. uh, Sean Johnson Prodigal son Yeah And I remember watching it And I broke down In my apartment By myself I gave my life to Jesus In that moment I was Hmm. like if God's that good, then I'm all in. And yeah. my life has never been different. Has never, never, like has never been the same. Yeah. Um, and it was so profound that I lived in this little city in Texas for four more months. I moved to Colorado, moved into my parents' basement, got a job at Olive Garden. Um, tried going back to school. That didn't really work out because this school, we had—basically, I took all these classes that didn't count towards my degree. And I'm like, I'm out of here. Um, and so I'm working at Olive Garden, drop out of school again after just like, <laughs> <laughs> but then I'm in, t- in, I'm, um, invited to intern at the church yeah. and now my life's got some direction. So I intern, I don't get hired after the internship. Um, and even when I was an intern, I'm, I'm not sure why they gave me a chance. Cause I was kind of, I was still arrogant, hard hearted. And I'd read the Bible once, so I thought I knew everything. (laughs) You know? I'm like, sometimes you ever want to go back and just smack yourself and be uh, like, so "Uh, often. Yeah, you're like, you idiot. (laughs) Frequently, when I think about that long ago, bitch. Yeah. You're like embarrassed by yourself. (laughs) Oh, it's part of the process, though. So don't get hired after that. And um, I'm now, so the internship's over. I'm back to a place where I'm like, I don't have direction again. And I'm driving for Lyft to, like, help pay the few bills that I have. Just like, what the heck? And someone gets in my car. It's a lady um, who needs a ride. And I get to her destination, and she goes, can I pray for you? And she prayed a prayer out of Philippians that was, um, I pray that God completes the good work that he began in you. Hmm. So I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> my lift app off I'm like I can't drive. <laughs> um and you know, through a long process I ended up getting hired at Red Rocks Church, working in the ministry there for uh four years and uh, met my wife um back in twenty nineteen and uh, we started dating and then here I am today as a father. So now you like that's my story. I didn't accomplish anything that I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. Every time I was in the pit, someone showed up to give me a word from God, or to encourage me, or to pray for me. And the path that I have taken is far better than anything I could have ever imagined. Like, yeah, when you look back on your life, the times that God has intervened that you may not have even seen, um, are they are there, mm-hmm. and they're pro- they're like providential, and they're like, and it's God never ever giving up on somebody mm-hmm. and never letting him stay in that pit. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, you, you saying that brings me to like. I went back the other day, and they're actually right behind you. But mm-hmm. I have some journals from when I was in the pit, mm-hmm. and I went back and read them, and was just weeping because mm-hmm. I'm like, God, I literally explicitly asked you right here for this, and yep. here I am with it. Yep. Like, like he doesn't. I think so much of like it's so cheesy, but it's like the process is where you learn perspective. Like, the perspective of, like, you might not, like, your bank account doesn't look like what it would look like. Like, Does that matter? Not when your soul's filled up. Yeah, and, like, not when you get to, like, you could give me all the money in the world Mm -hmm. or I'll hold my daughter. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and you feel that, you know, like, like, I'm not going to take full credit for your marriage, but I do take a (laughs) large, I do take a large piece. Mm -hmm. Um, you owe me at least three Starbucks for the amount of coffee that we went and got. I did. Um, Yeah, like, how do you do this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, teach me. But, but yeah, man, I, I'm thankful that you didn't go to New York. Yeah. Well, like, man, (sighs) how do you say this? God cared enough about my soul yeah. to make sure I didn't succeed. Hmm. Until like, like he cares about your character, he cares about your soul, he cares about your well-being. Yeah. And um if he has and he has your best interest in mind. Yeah. And so like there are times when you are just blocked. You can try as hard as you want and you'll get frustrated and you're like, I just can't move forward with whatever. God might be blocking you because there's something that needs to be taken care of first. And Mm -hmm. and, um, that might be a different assignment. It might be something with your character. It might be something with your soul. Maybe God knows you're more tired than you actually realize. And he is, I mean, he is very interested in you thriving and also fulfilling the work that he has for you. So like, there's a story in Acts 16 where Paul, you know, he was like, he wanted to go to this way. And he's like, the spirit of God blocked me. And then he wanted to, go this way and the spirit of God blocked him. And then he finally got to go over to Philippi because he, and he discerned that God was calling him there. And, and then they start the church at Philippi. Three people get saved within the first like week he's there. But if you go over to second Corinthians and learn like how God blocked him, it wasn't like a wall. It was my spirit was not at rest because my brother Titus wasn't there. So there was a relational component that you, that God's like that used that God used to keep Paul from planting himself where he shouldn't be. He's like, I don't have good relationships here. I can't plant here. I need to be somewhere else where I have good relationships. Mm. That's a way God can direct and block, you know? Um, but he is, he's active in your life and that probably, you asked me that question earlier, like, how are you content with that? Yeah, man. Um, I, it's not like I'm just like a, perfectly content all the time sit here i've got ambition yeah i've got a lot of it oh no got, i wasn't yeah. I mean, maybe that was implied i i, I guess maybe it's because i knew i, I just never want to talk about myself like i'm better than i actually am yeah you know i yeah. probably sent three times this morning before my wife woke up you know like <laughs> uh but there is a trust that i've just seen that um if things don't work out you're like bummer yeah but it'll be all right yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the prayer, like, Lord, would you just align the desires of my heart with what your will has for me yeah. so that when things don't happen, I'm not disappointed. Yeah, and, Like, I wonder, so you had mentioned it, so I feel like I can talk about it, but mm-hmm. you're in between churches. And so mm-hmm. you and your family are making a move. We are. Um, yeah. That's a part of testimony. I had Chad mm-hmm. Brugman on here last season, mm-hmm. um, and he said that there have been like psychology studies that moving your family is considered one of the top traumas that you can experience good because, (laughs) because it's something where you're like, you're ripping your like comfort of home, Mm -hmm. comfort of surroundings, comfort Mm -hmm. of family. Yeah. Like it's not trauma labeled by like abuse. Right. But trauma wears so many different masks that it's like, you can't, you can't put a single definition on trauma um and maybe you can but it would be so broad yeah um but but i really i, I would love for you to 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 maybe we got like 10 15 we got 10 10 ish more minutes okay yep. um and because I, I don't want to cut you off you but you no you're good um would how how has that been for processing for you because i know that there are lots of people who have moved their family you're moving as far away from here as possible without going to Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to Boston. Yeah, Boston, Boston. Uh how's it been? Yeah, how have you how have you and your wife processed that? How have you how have you processed it? Cuz I feel like a lot of things for the men are like I'm going to figure it out. I'm not going to show emotion. I'm like it's my job to like lead my family. I'm going to like I'm going like I'm going to like okay, so if an example would be like I'm not going to say that I'm nervous or scared to move because mm-hmm. I want to be a pillar for you mm-hmm. because you're nervous and scared. Yeah. Or I think that you might be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how has that been for you? Oh, boy. Um, like, treading water in the middle of an ocean storm with a weighted vest on <laughs> is probably what it's Yeah, like. <laughs> um, currently, very excited. Yeah. Couple months ago, no man. So we're—I mean—we're going to be moving close to Chelsea's family. I actually have to move in with my in-laws uh, for a minute. Oh, that's gonna be so fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Reduce, reduce the. I uh, um. We're reducing our our two bedroom apartment, which will will feel gigantic once we're in Chelsea's old bedroom. So, uh, so your like daughter won't be having any more siblings anytime soon is what you're saying. Oh, right? probably, I, I doubt it. <laughs> nah, I doubt it. Um, yeah. Um, uh, are I've been in Colorado pretty much my whole life. Even mm-hmm. when I was in Texas for school, it was like, I was there for the fall. I'd come back for winter break, Thanksgiving, spring break, summers. So I've never really left home. Yeah. Um, and I know one, I really know, I know my parents' church and I know Red Rocks Church. So and I'm going to a different church. So I'm, I'm like, I'm going into unknown water in a lot of ways. The culture in Massachusetts is very different than the culture in Colorado. Um, so there, there's a lot of that. And we have been processing and praying and going back and forth for over a year. Yeah. Um, and we've wept. A lot. I actually, true story. Um, my parents are a little too supportive. We'd ask them like, Hey, what do you think we should do? Can you give us some guidance, give us some wisdom? And they're like, no, we have to, we're going to let you guys make this decision. And we, we're going to support you with whatever you do. And there was one night where I was crying so hard because of, of leaving my dad and my mom that I texted my dad mad that he wasn't taking this seriously. <laughs> enough. I'm like, I need you to know this is hard. Okay. <laughs> um, and, we, I mean, we looked at going to a lot of places. Yeah. Um, but there's no relational connection. And we knew, like, we want to be around family. We also want to be somewhere where we can have, like, a great church and be part of, like, a, gr- a great mission. Um, so there's that part that's really, really exciting. And then also, like, I'm leaving behind my foundation. Yeah. Um, I'm leaving behind, like, both churches where my life was formed. I'm leaving my, my family. Um, and so depending on the day, I'm either excited or I'm really, really sad. Yeah. Um, and you know what? What, I, what I've actually learned a lot from this because I do believe that in tumultuous season, as a husband, you do need to be a rock for your family. Mm-hmm. And like as a metaphor, think like a giant rock, a giant rock can weather storms, mm-hmm. can take a beating, and it can also be a shelter. Mm-hmm. And I think you do have an obligation to be that for your family yeah. in tumultuous seasons. But we are, we're also that metaphor breaks down when you realize that I'm also a human being. So I need an outlet. Yeah. And so like, you gotta be a rock for your family. You need an outlet. And mm. you mo- that might mean you get to process with your wife later. Um, and you know, you do like whatever relational dynamic you have, like do that. Yeah. But Chelsea's like, had told me like, it's hard for me to be confident if you're not confident. Yeah. Um, that's how, cause she like, she looks up to me and, and I look up to her and, um, so that, that was like really difficult to manage, but I had an outlet, you know, I had, yeah. I had people I could talk to. I had a punching bag, you know, I had, I had an outlet. Yeah. And now that we're in a place where we feel confident and comfortable, like this is the right decision. This is the best decision. Now we're able to process about like how hard it is. Yeah. Like, but she, it's not like she, she saw my tears. Yeah. Um, she saw all of them. Yeah. She saw the late nights. She saw the distress. She saw all that, but I had to like also resolve. Hmm. This has to, this is, I believe this is best for our family. Um, so that we could actually like not be a ship tossed to and fro by the waves. Yeah. Uh, that's a hard tension to manage. And fortunately I've had a great example in my father to like show me how to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um yeah, it's tough. It's I'm I'm sure I I'm hundred percent sure for the first year I will feel like I made the wrong choice. Yeah. at some point. I'm sure that'll happen. But yeah. But it'll click. There'll it'll be a click, there'll be yeah. a turning point where community starts to feel like community and not mm-hmm. just strangers. Yeah. And and it'll start to feel home yeah. homey. I'm I'm going to work very diligently to make sure everyone in Colorado moves to Massachusetts. Yeah, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) You guys all need to uproot your lives just to make me comfortable. Jess and I have had that conversation so many times Mm because she wants to be close to family too one Mm -hmm. day. And I'm like, babe, if you can convince this person, this person, this Mm -hmm. person, this person, also Mm -hmm. move – this whole campus over mm-hmm. to wherever you want to go, mm-hmm. I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, but until then, I'm very similar to you. Yeah. And like, this yeah. is Colorado's home. Yeah. Yeah. You, moving should be hard. Yeah. Because you're losing relationships that are very dear to you. Yeah. If it's not hard, you probably didn't do a good job rooting yourself somewhere. Yeah. And it, But if you're being called to mm-hmm. somewhere else, mm-hmm you're confident in that Mm -hmm. there's a group um, Tiffany hammer now Hudson um that song's so good by the uh, way lamb dude dude. (laughs) (laughs) so if you go watch the YouTube video which I'll Mm -hmm. put the link in the description you need to go watch it Mm -hmm. she talks about how these people were praying and worshiping for a hundred years straight Mm -hmm. in one form or another Mm -hmm. um it actually like spurred on the Great Revival in in Wales, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And they uh, used to send out people on missions on boats mm-hmm. to foreign countries, and the the people on the boats would you know may the may the lamb receive uh, the reward for his suffering, mm-hmm. and that's what they viewed their life as. Like they were they probably were never going to see. Mm-hmm their family, their loved ones yeah. again. They were getting yeah. on a boat in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Like there's no internet. You, there's no internet. There's no FaceTime. Like, it's goodbye yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. But may the Lord, may the Lamb receive the reward for his suffering. Yeah. And that's what it feels like like with you moving to go to another church mm-hmm. is like, man, not that you're never going to see us again. You're not going to no, never. I'll be back. But mm-hmm. you're uprooting and you're following your call mm-hmm. to to yeah. to the the mission mm-hmm. of growing the big sea mm-hmm. and that's cool, man. yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Guys go listen to that song. I have a drawing that I'm gonna share. Um, it's so it. good <laughs> That song hit me the way um oh uh that song as you find me by Oh Hill song yeah that song I, I, mean, that's, I can't stop I can't listen to that to, to lamb and not cry. It's so good. The bridge mm-hmm. makes me want to just melt onto the floor. Yeah, but the, it also it makes me want to like melt on the floor and then like go preach or something. <laughs> like I, I truly, I'm like. But what it is, I love songs that you're able to sing corporately in worship. Mm-hmm. Like they're like the chorus you can repeat and you can sing corporately. Yeah, but also it's introspective and challenging in the yeah. fact of like okay. It says like, uh, "like may every crown, may I lay every crown down at mm-hmm. your feet." I'm like, yeah. "What crown have I not laid down at Jesus' mm-hmm. feet, yeah. and why am I holding on to it?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, That's so good, okay. dude. Um, well, do you want to keep going, or do what's the? I want to, I want to honor your podcast. Okay, well, well, do you have more to share? I don't want to i don't want to truncate your story we've 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 kind of like uh we've for sure taken some gas station detours well i'll say this and i hope it didn't sound like i'm rambling because i didn't think about this before but um because i know you care deeply about mental health yeah especially in men yeah and uh mental unhealth mental health um i was like really depressed for a long time my mind yeah. was not right yeah and um it 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 is right now hmm. you know um like god is faithful to renew the mind like yeah. like he he will um he will he will renovate your heart he will transform your mind so that you do think clearly and that you know you don't have to actually stay you're not probably not going to stay the way it all it's not going to be the way it always has been yeah like it won't there is absolutely hope um and like i remember feeling like my life was just a dark pit Hmm. you know and i was so angry so frustrated like many other i'm not good at (laughs) emotions outside i was angry you know like what do you mean i don't know i I felt things what's that movie uh the, the Feeling Factory, that Disney movie. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-uh. Okay. Well, no idea. I it. But I was, so like my friend Oren is very in tune with the emotional landscape of, a, of people. Yeah. And, you know, I, that's one of the reasons I say he's the most redemptive friendship I've ever had. One, because he didn't leave when I was a dingus. Yeah. But he also helped me understand things that I've never understood about what I was feeling in certain moments. Um. And just, you know, for your listeners who do have some sort of mental thing going on. Yeah. It's not going to stay that way forever. No. Um, you don't have to be a victim to your own mind. You get to, like, rule over your mind. And um, the best, best way to do that is to repeat Psalm 23 until you believe it, mm. I think. That's uh, been pivotal for me. Um, yeah. When your thoughts are out of control you've got whatever going on. I'm not a mental health expert or anything like that. But I do know that at one time I was in the pit of hell and I'm not anymore. Hmm. And no one has to stay there. No. Psalm 23 is, um, that just starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. Hmm. Like, if if you just believe that, and I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you Mm for being intentional and talking about mental health. I think that, so often we like, don't even look at like the definition of what like mental health is, is like mm-hmm. everyone wrestles with mental health. Mm-hmm. I might have, I might wrestle with anxiety or I might wrestle with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't manage your health mm-hmm. physically, yeah. then you're going to have an unhealthy heart, unhealthy lungs. You're going to be, yeah. if you don't manage your health mm-hmm. mentally, mm-hmm. you're going to have a, uh, Unhealthy thoughts. You're gonna have anxiety. You're gonna mm-hmm. be depressed. You're gonna be, yeah. and those are all things that might take work. They do, do. take work. They do, and I think yeah. that that's so often. I, it might step on toes. Here I go stepping on toes. um But like society, we we would rather just be a victim to it instead. Oh of, yeah. Instead of saying, "Oh, I am depressed," but it's a matter of circumstance and it's a matter mm-hmm. of my own doing and it's a matter of or the circumstance that i'm in that i refuse to take myself out of Mm -hmm. and i know that there are extenuating circumstances that are of course but like a majority right now is like i'd rather take pills yeah feel better Mm -hmm. yeah i think i do think um and this just seems to be a product of wealthy society yeah uh we forget that the human journey is tumultuous oh yeah and suffering is actually just a key part of life. God gave us emotions for a reason. He did give it, he gave us emotions for a reason, but also suffering is part of life. Yeah. And you gotta we have to all you just gotta embrace the suck hmm. and let it have its way in you by holding to what's true and good. And knowing like I'm gonna get through this. It's gonna suck, yeah. but I'm gonna get through this. Yeah. I I'm reading a book right now called New World, I believe. hmm I don't know, Jordan Peterson recommended it. It's essentially like a 1984 mm-hmm. uh, type um, book yeah. about attaining of a utopia and how mm-hmm. they are attainable. And that's the scariest thing that's possible because mm-hmm. it removes like the human experience. Mm-hmm. And a utopia would be hell. Hell. It would actually be hell. Yeah. And, yeah. and not being able to experience suffering because like mm-hmm. you said, in suffering is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so if I can not suffer... It's a key part of being human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Oh, wow. Uh, Keaton, you just dropped a whole lot of knowledge in a short <laughs> amount of time. And I'm super thankful for you. Um, it's good to be here. Oh, it's it's been too long. Um, I'm excited. This is deja vu. Whoa. I've done this before. We mm-hmm. haven't done it before, but... Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. Um, I... I want to wrap this up. I want to I want to thank you for, for being here. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be dearly missed when you move mm-hmm. here soon. Um, yeah, we find out this weekend. We'll <sighs> yeah. be praying for you in that. And, yeah. and um, okay, one last thing that I like to do, and you've actually just done them, like, kind of woven it in seamlessly, mm-hmm. but if you could go back, I like to get the prompt of, okay, talk to Keaton. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago or five years ago, you choose the date mm-hmm. or somebody who is walking through something. The idea is to put purpose to pain. So yeah. uh, you experienced something that was sh- crappy. Yeah. Um, you pick the time, the date, the feeling, yeah. but you, the idea is like you walked through the storm. Now you want to uh, give someone advice who's either in the eye of it or on the outskirts that could potentially avoid the eye. Mm-hmm. What would that piece of advice be? Man, that's a good question. 10 years ago, I would have been 21. It could be five years. Yeah. It could be, you don't have to choose the... Yeah, f- five years ago, me had it pretty figured out. <laughs> <laughs> no. 21-year-old Keaton. You know, because that, that's, you know, guys who are 21 to 25 are who we want to talk to on our podcast. We'll talk to people who are older, of course. Yeah. You know, up to like 35. But um, at 21, that's when I dropped out of school. Um, That's when my depression was the worst. That's when my mind was out of control. You know what I think I'd go back and tell them? Hmm. Tell myself 10 years ago? Hmm. Is you have no idea Hmm. the gift that your life will become. And you're going to get through this. I think that's what I would have told myself 10 years ago. I didn't. Like I was like at a place I was like I don't even want to live. Yeah. All I do is burn stuff to the ground and hurt people. Yeah. And ten years is not a long time. In 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 the cosmic scheme, that's a very short time in God. So it's like literally God can change your life, and it feels like a long process because it's your own life and it is kind of long. But now, with my wife and my daughter and a new mind a new heart and gentleness. And like, I I, I want to spend my life building people, especially young men Mm. and seeing, helping people get through stuff. I think I'd go back and like, you have no idea what kind of gift your life is going to become. Mm. And right now it sucks, but you're going to get through it. Dang. Well, I'm not even going to try to add to that. I'm just going to let it be what it is because that was awesome. Um, and I think we're going to wrap up there. Um, thank you for listening to this episode of the Overdrink Podcast. Keaton, thank you for joining us. Um, if it should be, by the time that this is released, go check us out on YouTube. Go follow me on Instagram. Uh, what else? Re- refer this to a friend. Share it with a friend that you think that they might need it. Uh, that's how we're growing. This thing is just word of mouth. And so, um, until then leave a review, uh, comment on something, tell me what you want to see, what you want to hear talked about. Um, but until next time, peace.